Grace and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 reads, And the just shall live by faith. This little verse of Habakkuk is quoted in the New Testament by Paul three different times. Romans chapter 117, Galatians 311, and Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. The just shall live by faith. Now, faith has many definitions today. There are many, as they say, faiths. Not all these faiths are equal, by the way, but there are many of them. There are many types of faith. There are many things to be faithful in or faithful for. There are many peoples of faith. In fact, peoples of faith is a term that I've grown to despise. I rarely, rarely do I ever meet somebody who wouldn't qualify themselves as a person of faith. But it doesn't say anything. I almost never meet somebody who shares my faith, at least not in public. And I meet them, I meet them here. It's generally become a useless term. Faith can mean almost anything that you want it to mean, depending on what you think it ought to be. It's generally a useless term. Everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. But faith in who? Faith in what? And to what purpose does your faith? Does it, does it guide you? Or is it just something that you keep in your pocket? I saw a video the other day with a girl who was in her camera and went, my faith in the universe is so great that I don't worry about anything. It's like, that's dumb. Why are you even bothering to say that into the world? It just didn't make any sense. I mean, she lives in the wealthiest, most technologically advanced society the world has ever seen. That tends to breed a little bit of laissez-faire confidence. She's like, I don't have to worry about anything. Well, you live in your parents' basement, too, so, you know. Paul here helpfully defines for us faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen, for by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made from things that are visible. So much for materialistic philosophy, right? I mean, materialistic philosophy, by the way, is just Darwinism, right? Darwin's outdated theory of evolution is just a tiny little piece of materialistic philosophy. It's an extension, might even be the capstone. It's how you get philosophy into science class. The larger school of philosophy is just labeled materialism, and its most basic principle states that material, raw material, is the only thing that is actually eternal. That the universe was not created, it's just always sort of been here. And that matter is the only thing that is eternal. The problem is, science physicists have, have determined that matter can be destroyed. I mean, I know that doesn't sound like a big thing on Sunday morning, but matter can be destroyed, like completely destroyed. And if matter can be completely destroyed, then matter 
has an ending, and if matter has an ending, then matter also has a beginning. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God has also said, at some point, I will bring this material universe to a close. We have faith in those two statements. Now, I bring it up just to make sure that you really know that that's not really the big question. I've often said that creation or where we came from is not really the argument you want to have with people. You can have it if you like, if you like me and you enjoy it, it's, it's fun because you can poke at them a little bit. But what you really want to talk about is not where we've come from, but where are we going? What's next? Because where we came from doesn't really make that big of a difference, does it? It doesn't really make a big difference in my life. It doesn't make a big difference in my career. It doesn't make a big difference in how I treat people. It doesn't make a big difference upon how I pay my bills or what I do for a living or where I get my food or my drink. It's not really that big of a thing. The fight over evolution is not really where we came from, but where we're going. And that, my friends, makes all the difference in the world. Where are you going? Faith is the assurance of things that have been hoped for. It is the convictions of things that have not been seen. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. And what is seen is not made from things that were already visible. God has created us to be His people. Faith instills in the Christian a, a, a mentality of expectation. I have expectations. I have expectations of my God. I have expectations of myself. I have expectations of you. Faith is the deed of things that we hope for. Faith is the mortgage to an anticipated everlasting. Faith is the title for the things that we expect. Things that have been promised. And we have God's word as a guarantee to those promises. Jesus tells us to be prepared. For he is coming back and he can come back whenever he feels like it. At any point. That which has been promised to us will come. It will. Jesus reminds us of that. He says, if, if the master had known what time the thief was coming, he would not have left his home. It is incumbent upon us to be prepared. Part of faith and living in that expectation of the return of Christ is living in that expectation of being ready for that return. Once upon a time, there was a boar. The boar was in the forest. He was sharpening his tusks upon a tree when when happened by a fox. The fox stopped and he looked at the boar for a while and after a time became impatient, began to berate the boar. Why do you stand there sharpening your tusks upon that tree all day long? The day is beautiful. The forest is at peace. Come now, let us play and eat. For there are no huntsmen about. There are no beasts in the forest today. And the boar replies, I have good reason to sharpen my tusks. 
Or if I'm surprised suddenly by danger, I will not have time to sharpen them then. But now, I find them ready to do their duty. You, you go and play. When we live by faith, we live in an expectation of the coming of Christ. And it's wise to prepare. Sell your possessions, give unto the needy, provide for yourself money bags that do not grow old and wear out. Note, Jesus is not telling us here to liquidate everything we have and just go live upon the land. Last week, we read the beginning of this chapter where Jesus told the parable of the rich man, a rich man who had been very, pro- been, been very prosperous, so prosperous that he decided to tear down his barns and build newer barns, bigger barns, in order to store the excess of his goods. Now, his sin was not in the receiving of his daily bread. His sin was not in the storing of his grain for the coming of winter. His sin did not reside in the putting back for seed for the sowing of his fields within the spring. But his sin laid in his laziness. The Lord God had delivered unto him a bounty, a a huge bounty, more than he could have used in a year, more than he could have used in seemingly two years. And so he hoarded it. He kept it for himself. He actually had enough to fund the deconstruction of one set of barns and the reconstruction of another set of barns. He stored his earthly goods, but he stored up nothing for himself eternally. Jesus ends the parable by calling him a fool. You fool, do you not know that tonight your soul will be required of you? The point of his story is, if he knew he was going to die that night, he'd have done it differently. If he lived in that expectation of the coming of his passing, he'd have lived differently. Jesus calls us to live in that kind of an expectation. I could die tomorrow. I know I could die tomorrow because I'm going to drive on the interstate tomorrow. The day after that, I'm going to Orlando and my son is going to drive me. So (laughs) I live in an expectation. I used to spend my summers in Michigan on my grandfather's uh, farm. And I wasn't there for all of harvest season, but I was usually there for the harvesting of the wheat, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world, to watch the combines and the tractors and the men all working and doing their things. But sometimes, and not all the times, and it may have only happened one time as far as I know, but at one time, there was like this flock of blackbirds had descended upon one field while they were harvesting another field, and this field was directly behind the house, and I saw all of those blackbirds, hundreds of thousands of blackbirds out there, and of course me, I was eight, nine, I'm like, looks like an Alfred Hitchcock movie to me, so I just took off into the field, right? Just screaming and yelling, my arms raised, ah, birds going everywhere. It was, it was awesome. And then they'd come back and land, and I'd come back around. My grandmother was furious with me. I still did. The only reason I can think that she was mad at me is because she did the laundry and not me. And I'm out there playing with all these birds and scaring them. But that's another, another story. 
My point is, the ravens eat of the farmer's crop, and yet the farmer still has enough. Consider the lilies of the field. They, too, eat upon the farmer's land, and the farmer still has enough, even though he's feeding the ravens and he's feeding the flowers, and the farmer still lives with enough. If the rich landowner had shared with the ravens and the lilies that which he had left over, why could he not also share with men? Would it not have been better for this rich man in giving this this bounty of harvest to take which did not fit in his barns and just simply forward it to someone else? Do not be anxious about your life, about what you'll eat and what you'll wear, Why do we buy new clothes when the clothes we have are just fine? I know that's a little rich coming out of my mouth because I really like new clothes. We just want them, I guess. That's the only answer I can come up with. Faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. For it by the people of old received their commendation. I do not know what people of faith expect. What is their expectation? What is their hope? Do you know what the expectations of your co-workers are? Do you know what their hopes are? What is the expectations of your neighbors and their friends? Do they know? Do they live in an expectation that God will care for them, that God will be with them? That they don't have to live lives of anxiousness and turmoil? That they can just let a few things go? I'm not saying everything. I'm not saying don't make your mortgage payment. (laughs) But why do we live such ancient, anxious lives? I do not want to go to heaven. I hear people say that all the time. I always want to complain about it. I want to go to, I don't want to go to heaven. I don't think I'm going to heaven. I expect it. I will, at some point in my life, my life is going to come to a close. And my Lord is going to bring my life to a close. This is an expectation that I live in, and He will take me to live with Him. I expect it. It has been promised unto me. Jesus has sworn this unto me. It is a guarantee in His death that I will die as well, but it's a guarantee as well in His resurrection that I too will live an everlasting life. This is the promise that my Lord has made unto me, and He has made it unto you as well. It has been written upon the sands and in the blood of Jesus and His cross. Faith is the assurance of that hope. Do not be afraid, little frog. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give away your extra, make money bags for yourselves that do not wear out, for faith expects a return. Next season as well, and the ravens will return and the lilies will continue to grow. And the just will live by faith. Invest in God. 
You have more money to give. You have more time to give. You have more love to give. And you'll have more sympathy and more compassion. Do not store these things up. These are given unto you as investments. Invest these things. Invest in people. Invest in relationships. Invest in your faith and in theirs. What do your friends expect out of God? Anything? I expect him to come, and I expect him to come quickly, and I expect the best that he has. I am not a beggar of God. I am not a hoper. I am a son. And if a son and then an heir, you are loved by God. He has told you this time and time again. You are his beloved. He has claimed you as his own. And like Abel and Sarah and Paul, I know and I expect that God is not ashamed to be called my God. For he has prepared us a city. He has prepared us to be a people. He has prepared us to be a kingdom of priests who live in an expectation, who live in a hope of a life to come. A life that has most most assuredly been assured unto you by the life and the death of Jesus Christ. This is his promise to you. In Jesus' name, amen.